Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Adam Campaign, who is CEO at ClearMetal. And today we're going to talk about next generation supply chain visibility. Now, supply chain logistics executives were you know, granted one wish to make their work lives easier and more productive. Uh, I bet many of them would say, I wish I had end-to-end -end supply chain visibility. Uh, it's certainly been an unfulfilled goal for, for many companies uh, you know, for, for many years. But while you know, many challenges still remain, um, you know, technology is beginning to you know, help out in this area and make this a, a more achievable uh, goal. So you know, why has this been such an elusive goal for, for many companies? And how is technology, specifically things like AI, machine learning, and predictive uh, analytics uh, helping to you know, move the needle in this area? Well, those are going to be some of the questions and, and the focus of today's episode. And uh, it's great to bring Adam back to the program to share his insights and perspective on, on this topic. So Adam, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back, Adrian. Uh, you know, so Adam, like, like I said, in, you know, just now, you know, achieving end-to-end -end supply chain visibility has been a, a top priority for, you know, executives across all industries, you know, for, for many years. But, you know, for many companies, it's, it's really remained an elusive goal. Um, you know, in your conversations with companies, I mean, why has it been so difficult to achieve? Yeah, so I think simply put, it's because the underlying data problem hasn't been solved. So if you're, regardless of whether you are a carrier, 4PL, 3PL, um, a technology provider that's been around for a while, you know, the, the garbage in, garbage out problem is still a challenge for many to deal with. If you look at the data in the industry, source for, and I'm talking about transportation visibility, if you look at that data that's coming from the motor carriers, coming from the terminal operators, coming from other carriers and elsewhere, that data is inherently flawed. And as it moves from the source of the data into a 3PL carrier and then presented back through a system to a retailer or manufacturer, the data is challenging to understand. You know, quite specifically, where are the shipments, right? Because visibility is all about where are my shipments, what is happening to them or going awry, and then what is the likely arrival time of that at the destination. And if you look at the information being supplied, being relied on to answer those kind of questions, it is flawed. You know, very specifically, if you look at EDI today, which the industry is built on, the messages around vessel departures, vessel arrivals, uh, in and out gates, final arrivals, empty container dispatches, and things like that, um, the information is often conflicting, uh, latent, out of sequence, uh, or has a whole bunch of errors. And so how are you possibly able to understand those three core questions? Where are my shipments? What's going on with them? And when are they gonna, when are they gonna arrive? if the information that you get about those shipments is just flawed and difficult to make sense of. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I've been on this, uh, you know, uh, on, on this kind of campaign as well for, for many years in, in terms of talking about the importance of, of data quality management. And it's one of those questions whenever I ask, you know, executives, you know, who owns data quality management at your company? Um, you, you know, I get this blank stare. Uh, you know, because it, the reality is no one historically has, has owned that, right? If you ask logistics professionals, transportation executives, you know, they would say, well, that's IT's problem, right? And, and if you talk to IT, they would say, well, that's not our problem. If you could just get the carriers and your suppliers and your customers to send you clean data and timely data, you know, we wouldn't have a problem, right? So, uh, I, and I think that's, that's been, you know, part of the underlying, you know, challenge here. And then, of course, you know, we all know that we have an explosion of data and information, you know, today with mobile and IOT and, 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 and the like, 
that is you know further complicating this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what you said, I just got off a call uh, with a, um, a top 20 shipper who said the same thing. Hey, you know, theoretically, shouldn't I be able to have my four PLs or three PLs provide this better information? I think you know, you ask about how is technology helping this, and you know, who's really at fault here? No one's at fault, right? It's difficult to move things around the world. It's difficult for information to be correct when there are a lot of moving pieces and it's highly dynamic. But the reality is that whoever is the recipient of the information and needing to make sense of it to make decisions, especially around inventory or, or operations, you know, it's ultimately that, that person or team's job to make sense of that data. And so where technology is coming in today is it's helping, it's acting sort of as a co-pilot, I'd call it, to help people make sense of information so they can be empowered to make better decisions. You know, a good example of this is, um, uh, you know, again, um, this same company deals a lot with uh, detention and demurrage charges. And their challenge is that they have difficult time just seeing where things are, are laying up for too long. And the challenge there is having everything in one place, having all the information they need, you know, accessible to them at their fingertips. And then also understanding the truth behind uh, that certain container. Right, so what we've done is we've used AI and data science techniques to do two things. Ingest and aggregate and, and make sense of all that data and put it in one place, and then offer reliable information about the status or whereabouts of that shipment so that the major retailer I'm speaking about can actually see if things are sitting in D&D for too long and then go and take action and chase that down. Yeah, no, that, that's a great example. You kind of just got into the, the, what was going to be my next question, because obviously, you, you know, I think if you go back, you know, certainly when I started in the industry, you know, 20 years ago, we, we kind of saw this new class of software that, that ultimately came and went, right? It was, you know, the supply chain execution uh, visibility, you know, application, which was really just, um, uh, you know, and I think part of the reason that a lot of these solutions failed to deliver was because of this underlying data you know, quality problem, which was really more just providing some, uh, you know, dashboards to see where things were, right? But I think, you know, no one at the time, 20 years ago, was really, under, you know, focusing on this, you know, the, the, the data quality management piece. So really a lot of the, you know, it was, it was either information overload or data, uh, you know, it wasn't really uh, exception management. So people just got all these alerts and bells and whistles and everything else and they shut it off or it was garbage, you know, a lot of the information that they were seeing, they just weren't trusting because the underlying data was, was, was faulty. But you fast forward to today, you, you brought up some of these newer technologies or emerging technologies that obviously is in, in the headlines today, you know, AI, machine learning, you know, predictive analytics. And those things are now people getting excited again about the role that technologies can play in addressing this, this goal of, of end-to-end supply chain visibility. You gave some examples there. Can you kind of shed a little bit more light on, you know, elaborate a little bit on how AI, machine learning, and, and, and particularly predictive analytics, because that's, that's an area I think a lot of folks are really interested in. Uh, what role they're beginning to play here? Yeah, and, and I'll start off by saying I think, I think you're right. The technologies over the past you know, 30 years have actually done a very good job at aggregating data, collecting data, and taking it in. Right? That was the first step, and, and, and the companies before us, I think, did a good job at that. Now, especially because there's much more data, you're, you're also right, this topic of how do you make sense of that information, and more importantly, um, get trusted and reliable data, right? Because often the information companies are getting today is conflicting, right? Which is very confusing. So we're now in that next era of how do you make sense of the data to then make uh, you know reliable decisions upon it. 
Um, and that is where technology is coming in. So to share a few more examples, again, sticking with the transportation space, you know, often companies are making decisions about how far in advance to order freight and procure freight uh, based on average transit times or, or static transit tables. So every six months, a retailer will look at the historical transit time and reliability for, for carriers and determine from then on for the next six months how far in advance to order. If you can get more reliable information about, or actually more dynamic information about transit times, not just port to port, but inland uh, origin destination pairs, you can start to make more intelligent decisions about how far in advance to procure freight and actually lower some of the buffer stock or inventory on hand. If you're thinking about uh, a large supplier, for example, right, who often go through transshipment ports to reach their ultimate customer, they're often complaining to us that where they're lacking in customer satisfaction is um, delays caused by transshipment. And the issue is often a carrier or 3PL will report, because it's the best information they have, that a shipment is on its way when in fact it has missed its, its, its um, a transshipment connection and is then going to be, call it two weeks delayed to their final customer. By having um, the kind of AI technology that we've built to make sense of this shipment status and reconcile it with other third-party data sources like AIS satellite information, we can actually tell the likelihood or the risk associated with missing that transshipment up front. And on top of that, alerting a supplier so that they can then alert their end customer on exactly where that shipment is and if there's going to be a delay, right? And customers like that because then they can uh, run their supply chains more optimally. The third example I'll give is um, we hear a lot about the need to staff labor in the warehouse properly, but people's inability to do that because they can't see what's coming upstream. So being able to understand is the shipment out for delivery or actually delivered, or did it actually arrive or did it just depart the transshipment port on its way to the, to the last protocol, that information is uh, necessary. To, you know, People need reliable information there. And the way we're employing machine learning is to first understand what is the true status of that shipment and reconcile again, did it get out of the port and go onto a truck or rail leg? Is it still stuck you know, with a freight or, or customs hold kind of thing? Um, and how can you be more accurate and predictive with when it's going to finally arrive? So those kind of going through the transportation chain, three examples of how we're seeing uh, our machine learning clean and correct data to give more sensible data information that customers can rely on. Yeah, no, I think those, those are three great examples. And I, I think that the last point you just touched upon there, which is something we've talked about in your previous appearances here on, on Talking Logistics, which, you know, I think it's not, uh, you know, something that's as, as sexy as some of the things we just talked about here. But, but the fact that, you know, one of the things going back to the data quality piece, you know, when I, whenever I used to talk about data quality management, we would always talk about, you know, it had to be timely, it had to be accurate, and it had to be complete. And I think the machine learning aspect of it is that the, compl the, the completeness factor of it no, you know, what, what, what would happen in the past is that if any of those three things uh, were not true, you know, transactions would stop, right? If, you, if there was a missing field or something of that nature, things would get kicked off and then that would introduce some, some friction and some latency in the process. But I think one of the, the interesting things that I know from your experience and some of the things you're doing with the technology is that, you know, leveraging machine learning to actually address that, in particular, that, that completeness dimension of data quality management. Can you explain a little bit, maybe I, I explained that at too much a high level, but can you just kind of touch upon that a little bit more to 
because uh, I think that's an area that I'm beginning to hear more and more people talk about um, because they want to they want to move away from uh, you know keep these transactions moving and not have it you know get kicked off or stop because some field might be missing or whatever. Where now because you have all this big data and you've got this machine learning, you could actually perhaps keep those things moving uh, by leveraging that that this newer technology. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, I think a big challenge is that technology systems, visibility providers in the past have often used rule-based systems to say if if you know if some if X then Y. So you know if the um, shipment if the container doesn't get to Long Beach like we believed it should have or like the carrier explained it would, um, then it has not arrived. Right, so think of a scenario where uh, a ship is actually coming into Long Beach, it's rerouted into LA. And so the status message will, sell, will say LA, and due to the plan, because it didn't kind of verify an arrival at Long Beach, it will appear as if that shipment hasn't arrived. Of course, you know, if you're a bit more dynamic and don't have these rules, you could understand, or a technology system can understand that it did arrive, because LA and Long Beach are actually quite close, it did hit the shore, and now it's gonna get onto a rail uh, rail um, outgate and head toward its final destination. So I think a big challenge that we're often seeing is these rules that often break down when things are a little bit different. The same can be true for receiving multiple timestamps, right? That might confuse a system or a certain uh, UN low code that doesn't look exactly right. So because we don't have rule-based systems and it's not so static, it's much more dynamic and adaptive, we can understand things that previously, you know, there might be a data quality error um, or sort of a lack in visibility where we can actually bring light to that, that, uh, that gap. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great, um, you know, explanation there. So, you know, going back to the examples you just talked about, um, you know, it sounded like, you know, if you're putting together a business case, you know, for this or the value proposition around this, I mean, there's, there's a value around kind of a, uh, inventory perspective. There's a you know, value from a um, you know a labor you know perspective. Um, you know obviously you know uh, uh, customer experience or customer service uh, perspective. Uh, I mean are those kind of the, the three main buckets. Uh, you know when you think about some of the use cases here and the value propositions here. I mean what are you seeing with the customers you're working with right now and the use cases they're they're exploring. You know what, what's the what's the main business value that they're focusing on. Yeah, so I think it's a, it's a few buckets. We're seeing uh, obviously a whole bunch of cost reductions, right? So um, the ability actually even just to um, spend a little less managing uh, the cumbersome process of EDI feeds and all that. Uh, so there's a reduction on that um, uh, IT spend. There's a reduction in detention and demurrage fees because you can actually get visibility into what's going wrong or see that on a predictive basis to avoid those fees. And some retailers are spending you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 million a year and, and all these sort of hidden D&D expenses. Um, we see a reduction in costs also on the uh, drainage side, right? All these exceptions where you may be dispatching a motor carrier for a, a box that isn't actually available for pickup, those sorts of things. Um, as well as uh, being able, you know, companies being able to shift uh, some transportation spend from air to ocean because they understand that, um, with the predictive information, they can be more reliable and having a product arrive on time going that much cheaper ocean-like. So there's a whole bunch of cost reduction elements. 
I think there's also um, improvements that we're seeing and our customers are telling us about on the profitability gain side. So suppliers are often saying that by being able to deliver product on time and full with high quality in a tighter sort of window, they're actually able to upcharge for that product. And on the retail or the, the, the buyer side, we're seeing you know, the potential for reducing stockouts, right? If you're able to understand where things are, being able to source inventory from multiple DCs and things like this, um, we do see the ability to get product on the shelf uh, increase and therefore um, reduce sort of stockout uh, types of scenarios. And then also there are a bunch of other categories that we've seen emerge from customers using our, our software. Um, the customer service side has become a massive one, right? Being able to provide, um, I guess, up-level the day-to-day the -day work of your team to move from detective work, um, kind of running around and chasing down exceptions and, and uh, whereabouts of, of product, and shift that effort actually to a more strategic work that's more customer-facing and proactive by being able to see reliable information and notify end customers of, of that. We're also seeing, I, I'll also add on the finance side, so the CFO's office being interested in that by being able to understand the exact arrival of product at a customer's hands, they're able to actually invoice and shorten that invoice to payment cycle uh, um, and increase some cash flow. On the flip side, that's also true, right? By being able to purchase product at a little bit of a later stage, you can actually um, reduce those financing interest costs uh, that are coming up. So it's across the board, but it's cost reduction, the revenue improvement possibilities, customer service, and and competitive advantage as well as on the financial side. Yeah, no, pretty pretty broad base there of of different uh, you know uh, you know value uh, buckets. I think the good news is, you, you know, I think certainly this has been true over the past year. You know, you, you almost can't pick up uh, you know the Wall Street Journal these days on a day to day basis and not have some kind of supply chain story you know, in the front page, uh, whether it's related to how transportation costs are impacting the, you know, quarterly financial results of, of various companies or how, you, you know, it's being used, uh, how, how companies are looking to leverage their supply chain as a competitive differentiator or, you know, not just on the cost side, but really, you know, to uh, on the customer experience side or to, uh, you know, drive revenue and, and profitability as you just talked about. So I, I think it's something that, again, going back to 20 years ago, um, you know, this is actually getting elevated now, you know, to the sea level where you can actually have these kind of kinds of conversations or, you know, discuss how this can bring value to the, uh, you know, to the organization. Uh, well, Adam, you know, we're kind of coming up to the end of our time here. So I just want to, you know, as, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what do you see as the biggest mistake perhaps that companies are, are, are making or make in their quest to achieve end to end supply chain visibility or, Maybe as a, as a follow-up or to ask you a little bit differently, I mean, how should companies approach achieving this goal today? Yeah, so we're, um, you know, we're seeing mistakes all over the place, but I think it's because a lot of folks are, are new to this. Um, you know, look, the whole premise is due to the Amazon effect and a number of other factors, you have to be better in your supply chain. To be better in your supply chain, you need visibility, right? And, the reason people can't get visibility that they need is because of the underlying data problem. So, um, you know, just to kind of echo that back, that's what we're seeing. In terms of mistakes, I think we see companies doing a few things. First, believing that they're going to finally get, you know, uh, what they were promised from um, the systems that, that, that they are and have been having trouble with for, for years now. 
right? There's this belief that, you know, we're told now we're going to get this actual next thing, and, and we see companies waiting around forever to get it. Meanwhile, competition is, is blowing by. We also see companies not fully recognizing that, you know, transformation in the supply chain is truly a journey. There is, it's not possible to have an unbelievable end-to-end, -end, you know, sourcing all the way down through last mile distribution system, no matter how fancy the graphics or interfaces are. So um, it's a mistake to jump in and feel like uh, you can get it all at once. You have to be diligent and take this step by step. The other thing that we're seeing is um, it's a competitive environment out there, right? There's a whole lot of marketing and I think the nascent buyers aren't asking the right questions or the deep enough questions about how the underlying data problem is really solved. And, you know, I could go on, but there are a number, number of different um, avenues people are taking where our advice would be, you know, start in one specific spot of your supply chain and start to transform that. Make sure that there is an underlying data problem solved. Um, third, don't be intimidated by, you know, the, the fancy marketing and the, the talk of all these buzzwords like blockchain and AI. Um, lastly, just realize there are new types of approaches and technologies that can help you solve this underlying data problem that you've never been able to solve before, thereby solving the visibility uh, issue that you've been uh, looking after for, for a couple of years now. So anyway, a bit of a ramble, but uh, uh, a whole bunch of ways for companies to start, and this is possible today. No, I think I think you provided some great, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, some questions for companies to to ask themselves and, and to think about, and some some words of caution there, and, and some good advice there. So, uh, again, this is one of those topics that you know uh, is always of interest to supply chain logistics executives because it is a, a, you know, to your point, it's one of those areas that, uh, going back to my opening remarks, if they had that one wish, they know that if they truly achieve this. Um, it really opens the door to a lot of possibilities uh, for them, you know, by having that, that, uh, you know, that visibility and, you know, certainly I think they've, a, they've, uh, hopefully they've learned the lessons or beginning to learn the lessons that, you know, this data quality management piece is important and a, and a critical foundation uh, to, to doing what, um, you know, to achieving that promise and that, you know, some of these emerging technologies rather than being intimidated by them, you know, they're, they're really, um, you know, coupled with data quality management, they're really moving the needle in the, in the right direction here. Uh, so, Adam, uh, as always, uh, thank you for making the time to, to be with us and sharing your thoughts and, and perspective on this topic. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Uh, and uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Clear Metal uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Adam, uh, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.